Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here's a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. All right, so we are going to uh, go through the helmet of salvation today. I want to just continue to read from Ephesians chapter 6 as we start off as a launching point, and then we'll move on from there. Uh, in Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rollers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, stand. Says It goes on now, it gives instruction or commands even. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So verse 17, this is what we're focused on today, is take the helmet of salvation. The next week, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So this helmet of salvation, again, Paul was writing uh, from the picture that these individuals who are reading this understood what a Roman soldier looked like, what a Roman soldier wore, and for what purposes. So he didn't have to explain that out. They would understand that this Roman soldier had a a protective gear on their head called a helmet that was going to protect them from deadly blows, uh, you know, on their head. So if you think through this, it could be from one of the arrows we talked about. It could be from a club. It could be from a hit if they were in battle. But the protection on the head was very necessary. So if somebody gets hit and they're unconscious, can they fight? Absolutely not. Even when you get hit, like in a sport, uh, or if you're just messing around and get hit in the head, it affects your vision. It affects your memory. It affects the way you think, how you can concentrate. So that head is extremely important in battle physically. But when we look at this spiritually, it is also extremely important. Because when you think about this helmet of salvation, it is protecting wounds from the head. But we're talking about spiritually here, talking about our thoughts and our mind. If we get our thoughts in our mind, if we get the thoughts in our mind jumbled up, confused, believing lies, believing the attack of the enemy, it will affect our vision, but our spiritual vision. It'll affect our memory, but our spiritual memory. It'll affect how we can think, how we can concentrate on what God wants us to accomplish. So it is vital that we keep our helmet of salvation on. This is really where the battle is. The battle is for our mind. If you think about a spiritual battle, it's not really, uh, the battle isn't necessarily between the couple that's having difficulty. It's not really between you and the internet site. It's not between you and the opportunity to, to use a situation for financial gain. It all starts back in the mind. That's where the battle is. If we can win when the attack of the enemy comes over our thoughts, then we're gonna be focused on the right path and we're not gonna fall into all that junk that oftentimes we do. So when we think about it, we talked, I think it was last week, about uh, when the, the serpent in the garden came and tempted Eve with a question, right? Did he, did he really tell you not to die? Will you really die? This is when our minds, the very, very first two people on the face of this earth, this is where our minds became distorted. 
because they believed a lie from the enemy. It became a thought. They dwelt on that thought until it became an action. That act was disobedience and they spiritually fell. So we were created in the image of God, but now it even explains how we're created with that sinful nature in the image of Adam because Adam and Eve sinned. So ever since that day, the enemy's using attacks on our mind, attacks on our thoughts to get us off path. So this is where the battle is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse three, it's a, a great connection to what we've been reading in Ephesians chapter six all these weeks. It says this, for though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. So we're using different weapons that we've been talking about this entire time. It says, on the contrary, they have divine power. Can you say divine power? So this is, even when we, when we read in Ephesians chapter six, where it's talking about putting on the full armor so we could stand, but we're getting, we're, being, we're getting our strength from the mighty power of the Lord. So these weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds, to demolish arguments, and to demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Look what Paul's saying here. He's talking about a battle. He's talking about weapons. He's talking about how we, what weapons we have. And the very, the goal of this is to break down the strongholds, the arguments, and the pretension. Where is that happening? Anything that fights itself against the knowledge of God, where is that happening? In the physical realm? No, not even out in front of us. It's happening in our mind. It's a battle for our thoughts. So when it's talking about demolishing arguments, demolishing these pretensions, demolishing these strongholds, he's saying we're putting an end to them. We're pulling them down so they no longer have any strength or power in our life. Now look at these words that he's talking about, these strongholds. A stronghold is this. When the enemy comes into a territory that they're trying to take over, they beat a certain area and they set up camp there. They're holding on strong. And that's what the enemy is going to do. He's going to tell you how culture is and what to believe and what you've done in the past. He's going to whisper lies and suggestive things into your head that you have the ability and the free will to either meditate and entertain those things or to understand, wait a minute, I'm not giving the enemy extra room. right? If you've ever thought about that, just pick one area of your life that maybe is less not maybe, that is less than God's will for your life right now. If you track that back, it started with a thought. That thought most likely started with a demonic suggestion. The devil can't force you to think something. So he's gained territory, and now he's saying, wait a minute, I'm gonna suggest this again. Oh, he's dwelling on this. Oh, she's entertaining this thought over and over. Wow, now they're creating, okay, I'm gonna go further and further and further until they set up a stronghold. But there's a weapon that he's given us, and part of that is the helmet of salvation to tear down, to demolish this stronghold. That word arguments can be also be translated reasoning. Have you ever reasoned yourself into some place that is like completely off base with the Lord, right? Like 15 minutes into an argument or after an argument, or after something bad happened to you, you're like a hundred yards away from where the Lord would want you. You've reasoned yourself out of the goodness of God. You've reasoned yourself out of rational thinking. It's because potentially there's a stronghold set up and now that argument that's setting itself up against the knowledge of God has not been demolished. I love the, even the violence in that word. It's not saying like, okay, take it down brick by brick. No, demolish it, tear it down, knock it down so it's not present anymore in your life. 
That word pretension means a proud obstacle. So again, in the original language, they would have understood these would be the walls or the towers that a city set up so an enemy could not come in. So think about this. There's three different images that Paul's giving us here. The enemy's coming in and setting up camp, or there's these thoughts that have, you know, have established a firm foundation in your thought life. Now you're reasoning yourself out of following the Lord. And then the third one is this pretension here. It's this wall that the devil does not want you to get through because he's setting something up in your life. Now, all these things lead up to a weapon that he's given us, and it's called taking your thoughts captive. It says here again in verse five, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. It was several years ago, and I've mentioned it here a couple of different times when I was just trying to look at what does that word captive mean? Uh, what is Paul trying to say? And it is a military term. What it means is you're taking someone prisoner of war. So what do they do when they take uh, uh, an enemy soldier, prisoner of war? They're, in, they're within their own troop. They're within their own uh, battlegrounds, and they're isolated away from every other soldier. And they're taken captive where they're no longer effective. So the picture here is this. A thought comes into your mind. And this is why we can't be lazy. We can't be lackadaisical in our walk with Jesus, right? We have to be aware. It says, be aware, be of sober mind, be alert. So when, my, when thoughts are coming in and you're like, okay, I just had a thought about something. It seems completely irrational. When that, uh, there has to be an internal alarm that goes off that you're saying, these thoughts are not allowed to stay with all of the other thoughts in my mind right now. So I'm going to make this thought a prisoner of war because I'm in a battle. That battle is for my mind. And this is an enemy of the rest of my thoughts. So you can actually pull it away from the other thoughts that you're having, isolate it. And you do that by not agreeing with it, by no longer harboring on it, by not entertaining it any longer. And it's saying, make it obedient to Christ. So what you do, okay, Lord, I've been dwelling on this thing or this thought, this just crazy thought just came into my head. What is your will in this situation? What are your thoughts about this? What are your thoughts about me? What are your thoughts about that other person that I'm upset with right now? Whatever it is in life, we have to be able to identify an alarm, a sensor, something has to be able to go off in our soul to say this, this specific thought has to be taken captive, set apart as a prisoner of war. Amen? There's a quote that I heard years ago by a pastor from out in California named Bill Johnson. He says, I cannot afford to have a thought about me in my head that God does not have about me in his head. It is good. Think about how often, like we just, we just let anger, jealousy, selfishness, all this stuff rattle around in our brain and we think, okay, well, we didn't act on it, so it's okay. No, we can't afford we can't afford to waste our days, our hours, our years being upset. There are people that we know that haven't talked to each other for years. Why? Because they got mad in their thoughts and then they, they, didn't, they didn't take it captive. So that stuff harbor all the way until it splits relationships. That's where the enemy is working on us, in our minds. So taking, taking thoughts captive, making them prisoner of war is called renewing your mind. It's mentioned in Romans chapter 12. You'll see all these scriptures start to tie together if you just uh, read through your word and see how much of this is dealing with our mind. 
Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Say transform. Be transformed how? By renewing the mind, right? It's the renewing of your mind that transforms you. We talked about this a few weeks ago. When you're born again, your spirit is regenerated. It's made new. That's the new you. But your body doesn't just naturally or supernaturally get well right away. It can do physical healing, but not all the time. And your soul, your mind needs to be constantly renewed. That's a partnership that we have with the Lord. He does not do that automatically. So what's it saying is there, there should be a, an actual transformation that's taking place as we are renewing our mind. That word transform in the original language is metamorpho. It comes from the word that we use for metamorphosis, which is a caterpillar changing completely into a butterfly. So the picture that we can take from this, people say, well, you know, I've been born again for this song. I've been saved for this song. I've just never changed. I've never had all the joy that I've wanted. I've never been, become the person. It's in this verse that as you renew your mind, think about that word renew. It's like renovating your mind knocking down the old stuff and putting new things up so it looks better than it ever has before. It's choosing to not dwell on the thought that the enemy is whispering into your mind. A side note is the enemy, the, the, the devil does not know your thoughts. He's not like in your brain swimming around. What he does is he listens to the words coming out of your mouth and he watches your actions. So he, just like the Holy Spirit, because we're spirit beings, right? We have a spirit we can have spiritual conversation with God. The Holy Spirit can whisper to us, can speak to us spiritually, right? So there's, there's a theological belief that the demonic can also sense what type of mood your spirit is in and can whisper things to you, can suggest things to you, but cannot force you to think things, right? If you're dwelling on a thought, say, well, the enemy just has control of my mind. Absolutely not. It is your choice. It's a free will that God's given you to dwell on certain thoughts or to take them captive and, and listen to what the Lord's saying. So what's happening is there's a metamorphosis. You have to picture yourself moving from a caterpillar to a butterfly as you're renovating your mind. There are so many Christians say, I have no clue what the Lord wants me to do with my life. I don't know where he's leading me. I don't know what he's gifted me in. And I could say a lot of that has to do with an unrenewed mind. I'm not saying when you're seeking the Lord and he just hasn't given it to you. I'm talking about spiritual confusion. You have no clue what the Lord's saying. What's happening here? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then what will you be able to do? You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we are meant to have the mind of Christ. And we are meant to move forward in that. In Galatians 6, 7, it says this, do not be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So this is, this is just another picture. It's the taking the thoughts captive. It's all these things. It's another picture of sowing and reaping. This is just like farming, right? If we sow to reap the flesh what, or sow toward the flesh, what does that mean? Think about the whispers that the enemy is going to give you. It's never gonna be about denying yourself, picking up the cross and following Jesus. He's never gonna lead you to help the poor, or to care for somebody. 
It's always gonna surround around, why don't I get more attention? Why don't I get more recognition? Why can't I get more money? Why can't me, 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 me? And it makes you mad and critical at them, 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 them. So what that's doing as you meditate on those thoughts, there is a sowing to please the flesh. And he's saying, if you do that over time, you will reap that. But on the flip side is, if you're allowing thoughts from God, thoughts from his word to enter in and to take into the soil of your heart, then you will actually reap what the spirit has for us, eternal life and the abundant life. There's a quote here uh, that from my research, different authors were given recognition for it, so I won't read the author. It's just a really good quote. It says this, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. So it's like, Lord, like what is the principle to take away from this? I feel like he said this, the thoughts you entertain today will become the destiny of your tomorrow. We have to understand our thoughts will turn into our destiny. We can't just harbor stuff and entertain things and let it mull around and not affect our life. I don't know if it's a couple months ago or several years ago, I talked about an author. She's a neuro, I'll read it. Oh, it was that easy, a neuroscientist. Okay, sorry. I thought it was like this for real. Her name's Carolyn Leaf. She's written a few different books. If you have, I mean, you can Google her, look her up on YouTube. She talks about how thoughts actually take up physical space in your brain. And the thoughts that you have actually uh, change the way that your brain is structured. So if you picture it like this, when you have a thought, like every morning, there are new brain cells. I, I, I didn't know this until I was reading about her. So your, your body produces new brain cells every morning waiting to be instructed what to do. Now, the thoughts that you have actually take up a physical space in your brain. They're just floating around there. So if you picture a roadway that is being formed by either a positive or negative thought, it will continue to be formed in that same physical space as you're having a same thought. So think of a positive thought. The more you would run that thought down the roadway, what's gonna happen? The roadway is gonna get deeper and it's gonna get wider, okay? So it takes up a nice good amount of space somebody that has a renewed mind. Think about a toxic thought though, right? I'm ugly, I can't make it, this person's a jerk, this is that, my, my boss stinks, my job, you know, all this stuff. You continue to think through those things. I'm telling you, through her research, this is taking up physical space. It is actually making toxic roadways in your brain. So you take science the way that, this is not against God, by the way. This is how God created you. This is why Paul's saying you can actually be transformed into a new person by watching your thoughts. So what happens in your brain, you wake up, you, you can speak to these new cells. I am going to think God thoughts for my life. I am going to live victorious, even though I'm in a mess. I am a child of God. You make those declarations. Listen, Speak them. Don't just think them. Turn your thoughts into spoken word. You're speaking them. You're hearing them. So now you're thinking them. It will actually create new roadways. So what happens to a dirt path that doesn't have a car on it for a long time? Weeds start to grow up, grass starts to grow up, and it's less and less of a road. That's actually what happens in your physical brain when you choose to not think toxic thoughts anymore and choose to think God thoughts 
the, the, the healthy roadway gets deeper and wider and the toxic roadway begins to go away. So it'll get easier and easier as time, or uh, yeah, more in routine with healthy thoughts. That is good. Carolyn Leaf, look her up. So one of the primary ways that the devil tries to get these roadways in is to remind you of past sins, past mistakes, or current struggles that you're in. If you've ever had like, you're, you're having a good day, you could even be out like ministering to people. You could be out at the altar, you know, teaching, whatever. You could be doing all these things and, and just out of nowhere, a thought of something when you were like 12 years old, you did like you were, like, oh, I was a bonehead back then. I did this. And you think these things and it can like destroy that moment, right? Because what happens is, oh my goodness, yeah, I do remember that. And now you're, you're in shock that you're even having the thought. So now you're reviewing the thought and it's going over and over and over and you're creating a new roadway in your brain within those seconds. So the enemy tries to do these things to us and it stops us from actually being transformed. There's a powerful truth in the book of Colossians that has the reality of our position in Christ that fights against this. And if we can keep this, these, just these few verses in our mind, I believe that it's gonna help us renew our mind. It's gonna help us take our thoughts captive and actually be transformed. We will, we will set up our own stronghold against the enemy so he cannot remind us of our past sins and mistakes ever again. It's found in Colossians chapter two, verse, starting at verse 13. It says this, when you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. So follow this out. We're dead because of our sins and because of our sinful nature wasn't cut away yet. So we still had that sinful nature. But God made us alive in Christ when he forgave all of our sins. This is the verse I wanna, wanna camp out at for a while. It says, he canceled the record of charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, watch what he does. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He saved them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So pre-Jesus, we are spiritually dead, done for, headed to an eternity in the lake of fire. But what happens is we are made alive with Christ, in Christ, and because of Christ, right? Why? Because he forgave all of our sins. And then we get to verse 14. I want you to consider this for a moment. I want you to consider this paper a record of your life. And I want you to think about from the moment you were born, wherever it stops, somewhere over here, all the way to the point wrapped around until you gave your life to Jesus. I want you to think about, I guarantee we could fill this thing up every single time we missed the mark, we sinned, we rebelled against God. Right? Even those little exaggerations, little lies. Boom, 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 boom. Can you begin to picture it? Like, look at the paper, folks. If this was a story of your life, be filled with a record of all of our sins. But what does the Bible say happened? What does the Bible say? It said the moment that Jesus came up here, he took the record of all of our charges and nailed it to the cross. Like, completely done. So when we look... At, what did we do when we were seven years old? Oh, the devil brings up something that we did when we were 12 years old. What about when we were 15 years old? Or oh, what about that addiction that you used to have? Or oh, what about that person that you were hanging out with that you shouldn't? You have to understand the reality of scripture says it's gone. 
it's all gone. So we think about, there's no more record that the enemy has to bring up against you, right? So I want you to picture the image of your life. Everything on this paper would have been every sin, every mistake you've ever made. And now look, there's absolutely nothing. This is not an exaggeration of his grace. This is his word. He took the record of our debt, every single thing that would have sent us to the lake of fire, and he removed every single one of them. This is a deal breaker. This is a life changer. Because if you picture this paper and the, and the enemy brings up something, even that you're currently doing, and you're asking God for forgiveness, you're repenting of it, like you're really fighting the good fight of faith. He can't bring up one thing that's listed on this paper because it's all gone. Like the judge has made his decision. It's all gone. It's all gone. But if you live with the theology that there's a few things still written on here, it'll affect the rest of your life. Right? Well, no, I'm forgiven over here, here. You know what though? But back here, back when I was 18, I did something so dumb. It's written here. If you allow that to still be written here, the enemy will use that, use that, use that until that becomes a stronghold. And now when you come into agreement with that thing, he's gonna bring something up that you did over here, right? And then he's gonna say, you remember when you did that? I used to tell you you were ugly back then when you did that. You're still ugly now. You write that on the sheet. Before you know it, you have stuff just staining this entire paper once again. So as a church body, we either have to believe he's done away with every single charge that the enemy could use against us and accuse us with because if there's one thing left on this paper, we don't deserve his grace then. His blood is either covered in all or none. Does that make sense? So he's reminding us of things. You know what, devil? I'm looking at the paper. There's nothing there. What about this? Um, no, nothing there. What about this? This was the big one. This was the big one you never even told anybody about. No, can't find it. Can't find it. It's, it's such a big deal because this is something you have to do intentionally. A renewed mind is not going to happen by accident. Right? You can actually, like, like we use our imagination for bad things all the time. Right? Like, think about the images. Think about the things that we let it run through our heads at times. Use your renewed mind for a renewed imagination. You start feeling this twinge. This, this, again, there'll be random, like insane thoughts that just enter into people's minds at times. You can actually picture the enemy, the devil himself or the demonic, in the courtroom of heaven, accusing you of things. And even God looking down and being like, um, no, no, there's nothing. There's nothing. How, how can that not help us? How could that not help renew our minds? How could that not be us keeping our helmet of salvation on? To say, no, I'm saved. I'm delivered. I'm set free. I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. Right? I haven't arrived yet, but he's paid for everything. It's already been nailed to the cross. Nobody has the power to take that down. Nobody at all. Now look who the battle's against. Go back to Ephesians chapter six. Adam, you can pop up if you want. 
In Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, it says that the struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against who? Rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces and evil of the heavenly realms. What happens back in Colossians chapter two, verse 15? In this way, it says, when Jesus nailed these things to the cross, everything you've ever done to rebel against him has been nailed and taken away. What happens? In verse 15, it says, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. So when he came and he took all of your sin and he got nailed to the cross, wiped away as pure as white as snow, what happens is he took the weapons away from the spiritual rulers and authorities. That's who our battle's against. Paul talks about in Ephesians, then he's saying in Colossians, it's taken away, it's dealt with. Jesus disarmed the enemy. That's an amazing truth you have to understand. He has no power other than the power you give him in your life. He can whisper, whisper, whisper. And until you choose to harbor that thought, entertain all those thoughts, he has no authority in your life. It's when he's whispering things and you get out your pen and you start writing stuff again. You're actually empowering him in that situation. But the Bible's saying he is disarmed. And it actually says that Jesus shamed them publicly He's on the cross. And the demonic and the dark world think that they've won everything and they don't know what's happening three days later. And they ends up shaming the entire kingdom of darkness who thought that they won. So what happens? The scripture says that they were disarmed and they were shamed. And now what does the enemy try to do all the time? He tries to disarm us and cause us to feel shame. What does he do, right? When, you're, when he's thinking, when he's, when he's reminding you of all these things that you've done wrong, he tries to get you to feel shame. It's, it's exactly what a bully does, right? When a bully feels this small, he tries to tear everybody else down until they can get lower than them. That's what the devil's trying to do. So I'm here to tell you today, your enemy has been disarmed when Jesus nailed the record of your charges to the cross. There's not one charge left it's your choice to renew your mind. Or it's your choice what to think of, what to entertain, what to meditate on, what to allow to renew your mind. Why don't you stand at this time? We've been given a powerful tool in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, about how to actually keep this helmet of salvation on. He says here, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So it's not about just taking the bad, toxic thought out and making it a prisoner of war. It's actually inserting something that's going to be productive in your life. Right? So think about the person that maybe gets on your nerves the most that you can criticize. Like, tell me 10 things you don't like about them. <laughs> Ask the Lord, show me one today. Show me one thing about this person that is either noble, right, true, pure, lovely. God, give me your thoughts for that person. That's a dangerous way to pray. Father, you know that person that gets on my nerves? Yes, I do. <laughs> I know quite well who that person is based on your on your words, show me your heart for them. Whisper into my mind 
what you think about them. You grasp two, three things like that, the next time a critical, ah, he's so, she's so, now you actually have a weapon. Oh, I know God's thoughts already. So though I'm feeling this way, I'm going to declare that they are kind some of the time. They are, they are kind. They are loved by God. They are created by God and everything in between. Amen? Why don't we bow our heads real quick? Because we're talking about the issue of salvation. I know this has been mostly to the body of Christ, this series of messages, but I just want to give an opportunity for anybody who's in this room that has never put that helmet on for the first time. Anybody in this room that has never actually said, you know what? I don't know if, if I know for a fact that my sins have been nailed to that cross. It simply means, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you asked him to become your Lord? Have you received him into your heart as your savior? That's what happens. He's already, in fact, it's, it's an interesting concept. He has already pre-bought your gift, if you think about it. 2019 and some years ago, he pre-bought a gift for you. It's called forgiveness. He's not going back to the cross to nail those. Your sins have already been nailed there. It's just, are you ready to receive that gift of grace? Are you ready to receive what's already been paid for? If that is you today and you want to receive salvation for the very first time, I want you to look up at me and raise your hand so I can acknowledge you and we wanna pray with you. Anyone? Thank you, I see you, ma'am. It's good. Anyone else? I see you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? It's an awesome decision. Anyone else? For the first time, I just want to receive Jesus as Savior. All right, you can put your hand down, ma'am. Thank you. What I want to do, I want to give a shout of praise, first of all, because of two people that are in heaven, and then we'll go on. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for salvation. We take this moment to give you honor and praise for you are holy and you are worthy to be praised Lord we thank you Father we thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord thank you Father thank you Lord Jesus what I want to do those two individuals that raised their hand I want you to repeat this prayer it's not a magical prayer I want you to be able to confess something out of your mouth before we have a chance to talk with you after service Everybody else in church, if you could join with me today as well. Just repeat after me. God, today I confess that I have sinned against you and that I need a Savior. I believe Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. He was raised from the dead so that I could have new life. I choose to die to my sinful nature and follow Jesus as he transforms me into God's image that I was created for. I now surrender my life to Jesus, making him my Lord, and I receive Jesus as my Savior. I believe I am now a child of God, a new creation, born again spiritually, into the eternal kingdom of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
hearts. We're gonna close in prayer. Father, we do thank you that we are born again. That, Father, we are set free, forgiven of every sin and every point of accusation the enemy could make against us. So, Father, I pray that you would raise up an army, one with a renewed mind and focus on what you want us to accomplish and who you want us to be in your presence every day. In fact, I pray, God, that you would bring us into a new season of being able to rest in your presence without those haunting thoughts affecting our mind. We'd be able to rest and enjoy being yours. Father, we ask for your blessing and favor as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out at centralconnect.org.